0: Um, you know, I think it's wasn't a coincidence that we we're talking about fear today and a bunch of other stuff, um, because that's basically deception. That's a form of deception. And today the Lord told me to talk about deception and living free from deception. Um, if you got your Bible or if you want to look up here, I guess, um, let's turn to Let's start out in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let me pray before we get started. Father, we just come to you. And Lord, I just thank you for this time um, right now. Lord, I thank you for what you've done already in our service, Lord. And God, I thank you for what you're going to do. Um, thank you that you've got to open eyes and you've got to set people free. And that your spirit is going to move. And that your word is going to be delivered. And um, we just thank you for all these things. I commit this time, commit my life, commit my mouth, and these words into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy chapter chapter four. <laughs> it's somewhat I understand what Dorman's going through. Dorman just preaches through it like there's nothing happening, but <laughs> Amen. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, oh Lord, <laughs> Amen. He is, stretching you well. he is. God stretching me. Holy Spirit stretching me. Now the Spirit s- speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. All right, I'm going to stop right there. You know, I looked up that word depart. Pretty much means what it says. It's, it says to remove, to 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 depart, to draw away, to fall away, to refrain, to re, um, withdraw yourself. Um, and it says they'll depart from the faith. It says faith is a persuasion. So they once were persuaded about something, and then they've fallen away from that persuasion. It's a moral conviction, um, usually of religious nature, um, and it especially refers to reliance here. It refers to reliance on Christ for salvation. It says, Having... And then it says, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They've gotten to the place where they no longer even feel their conscience pricking them anymore. It's not a good place to be. Um, and it says they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. How many of you guys know that there's a bunch of seducing spirits at work today in the world? There's a bunch of, a bunch of doctrines of devils that are being poured out right now. Um, and it says that it's, in Daniel, it says they'll deceive, if possible, even the elect. Or where's that scripture? I don't know where that scripture's at. What just happened was the Holy Spirit is laughing over those spirits. Amen. Yeah, that's what just happened. Amen. He's laughing in their face because they are defeated. That's right. And only if you buy into them can you be deceived. That's right. Amen. 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 No! Okay. Let's turn over to Second Timothy now. Start in verse chapter 3, verse 1 again. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous, that means dangers. Um, we're living in the last days. I mean, you guys know that. So he says there, we're living in times that are perilous. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, um, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but what? But denying the power thereof. That's right. From such turn away. How many of you guys have seen that? Um it says verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate reprobate concerning the faith. We always we talked about in, in chapter 3 of first or chapter 4 of 1 Timothy how we there's going to depart from the faith. Well, these have gotten to the place where they're totally reprobate. Um, it says, "But they shall proceed no further." Praise God. Verse nine: For their folly shall be manifested unto all men, as theirs also was. Okay, then let's go to chapter four of Second Timothy. We're going to start in verse five. Preach the word. Be instant, in, instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching, good teaching, sound teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itch ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. What are they going to turn their ears from? The truth. And shall be turned unto fables. I looked up that word fables and it's simply a fiction story. It's something that's not, not real. It's just a, just a made-up story, made-up truth. But watch thou in all things endure do afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Ministry. Okay, um, to kind of get the context of Timothy, Timothy was kind of a oh he was Paul's kind of what do you call him sons basically he was a mentor or a disciple, and Paul was at this time Paul was in jail he was in prison, and by the time he wrote Second Timothy he. His end was coming in. They were fixing to execute him. And so he was trying to give Timothy instruction um, and encourage him uh, to carry on the work, basically, that he had taught him. And Paul, just like nowadays, he saw all the deception. He saw all the junk that was going on and being poured out by the enemy, by the Satan. And so he was trying to warn and encourage Timothy, this is what you're facing and this is how to face it. Um, much like we, we see today. Um, you know, I started looking up deception and, and how much it was dealt with in the, in the Bible, and it's dealt with a whole bunch. Um, Matthew 24, 5, you know, Jesus was talking, and he's, he's talking about the end days there as well. And he says, you know, many are going to come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. And he says, they're going to deceive many. It doesn't say just they're going to deceive a few. It says they're going to deceive many. That's Matthew 24, 5. Um, And over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, we'll start in verse... Let me find it. 2 Corinthians 11, chapter... We'll go start... Chapter 11, verse 1. I'm sorry. Um... Paul's Paul again he's kind of kind of toward the end of his life and he's t- and he's given instruction to the church at Corinth and he says would to god you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me for i am jealous over you with a godly jealousy for i have espoused you to one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ that was god's that was paul's heart okay but i fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled or deceived eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom you have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, ye might, be, might well bear with him. And he goes and talks about, hey, I'm, I'm one of the chief. Of, I was one of the chief um, apostles, um, basically saying, I know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm for real. But if you look at that verse 3, it says, um, I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Deception comes and it doesn't come just right out in front of you where you can see it. It comes subtlety. It comes just, it's just a little bit off. Um, You think you're right. You think you're headed in the right direction. You hear hear something, and it sounds 90% right, but there's just something about it that's not exactly right. That's the subtlety that comes. Um, That's how Satan works. Um, So your minds. Does he say your spirits? Nope. Our spirits are sealed in Christ. But he says, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, I think one of the biggest areas or ways to recognize your deception is if life becomes really complicated. Yeah, if the yes. gospel becomes really complicated oh, where yeah. you've got to do this, 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 and this, or um, if, if suddenly it's no longer just you and Jesus, yes. and you just, you just loving Jesus and you just following Him and receiving His grace and knowing that it's only through faith, through His righteousness, that you stand, yes. That, yes. Then, then that's a good sign that you're moving into deception. Yes. Um, okay. That's one of the signs that you can know you're in deception is that life gets complicated. Another thing, let's turn to uh, Jude chapter 1. There's only one, Jude, Jude 1. You might want to keep your place in Jude, because there's a lot in Jude. We may be coming back to it. Let's see where I want to start. Okay, we'll start. This is where I have it this time. Jude chapter 1, verse 19. He's talking about those... um, Well, let's start in verse 17. It says, but, "...but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the, of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last days, last time, again we're living in the last time, who, sh- who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who'd separate themselves, sensual having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost." Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Okay, let's go up to verse 19. There's two things there. It says, they who separate themselves. You know, that was another thing that God God kind of spoke to me. One of the ways that you, one of the red flags that goes up if you, um, either you or somebody else is getting in deception, is if you, you separate yourself from the body of Christ. Um. Proverbs eighteen one, you know, it's one of the scriptures that God spoke to me many years ago. It says, a man who separates himself, this is New King James, um, seeks his own desire, he rages against all wise judgment. And whenever you start separating yourself from, from those you love and from, from the body of Christ, um, it says you rage against all wise judgment. Jesus, he brings the body of Christ together. He doesn't separate, he doesn't say, okay, you go off by yourself. Um, And so, separation, when you feel like you have to separate yourself from others, from from the body of Christ, that's that's one of the key indicators that you're in deception. Okay, since we're in Jude, let's turn look over in verse 8. Okay, uh, let's um, start in verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, it's basically talking about those who have departed from the faith, defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. He does not, does not bring or dare not bring a, uh, against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gang saying of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. Of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withered without trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. You know, um, Justin was talking about being barren. These guys were not only barren, but they'd been plucked up from the roots. Um. But I want, you, want us to look at verse eight. It says, "It says likewise, of these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion. That means basically dominion; it's it's government or authority, and speak evil of dignities. That's basically it's it's kind of a weird word in Greek. It's glories. Um, it's God and His angels, and um, basically, so another characteristic of deception <coughs> is. Basically, it manifests in rebellion. Not only do you separate yourself, but you get to the place where you um, you have a rebellious attitude against those who are, who are over you, who are in authority over your life, um, whether that be your pastor, elders, your um, you know your fathers in the in, in the Lord, or even out there, you know, just governmental powers as well. Um, you have a defiant. Nobody's going to tell me I know the right way. Um, it's a it's a it's a defiant spirit. Okay. The third characteristic that the Lord gave me, or the third thing that kind of is a red flag about deception, is that you hate you hate the truth. Let's turn to First Thessalonians. If you want to, we may come back to Jude. I don't know, but if you want to hold your place there, that'd be good. Um, let's go over here to. I don't have this one marked. Okay. Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. And I know we're looking at a lot of scriptures, but that's good. Yeah, they're used to it. I can't quote them, so I have to read them. Uh, we'll start in verse 8. He's talking about how basically the Antichrist is coming, okay? In the last times. And then shall the wicked be revealed. That wicked be revealed. Talking about, uh, I believe he's talking about the Antichrist whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, deception, and with all uh, deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved." And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Guys, that's a dangerous place to be. A place where God sends you strong delusion. Because you you so resisted this truth, you so resisted His gospel, that you basically turn away. Um, you know, I thought about this verse. Um, let's, let's turn over there. John... Book of John, Gospel of John, chapter three. I'll just read it if you don't want to turn there. Verse nineteen. I'll start with verse eighteen. He that believeth on him is not condemned. I'm talking about he that believes in Jesus is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light. What does he do? Hates the light. He doesn't just not like it, he hates it. He hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That means discovered. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest that they are right in God. You know, again, this gets back to that separation thing. Um, whenever you're in deception, not only do you not one of the biggest probably one of the biggest reasons you want to separate yourselves is because you don't you don't want others to you don't want to be around light because you're in darkness and so you don't want to be in light because light manifests. Um, by its very nature. Okay. The other the last thing that kind of God, God showed me about deception characteristics is First um, John. Let's turn to First John real quick, chapter two, verse eight. Again, a new commandment I write unto you: which saying is true, and in Him, and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shines. He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion for stu- of stumbling in him. That means you're not going to get into deception. Amen. Yeah. But he that hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and knows not whither he goes, because that darkness, darkness hath blinded his eyes. One of the ways that deception comes into your heart is when you allow a spirit of hate, unforgiveness, all the above, Come in your heart towards somebody else. It blinds you, and it says you—you're you, um, walking in darkness, basically. If you—if you have hate in your heart, then in, you're in deception, without a doubt. Okay. So what do we do about that? What about what do we do about these things? Um, nip it, nip it, nip it. And nip the hate, nip the unforgiveness, all that, nip it in the bud. Okay, concerning those who separate themselves, what does God's Word say? Hebrews 10. You guys know this, I know. A lot of this stuff, I'm rehearsing what things this is that we've already known, okay? But I think it's... In these times, it's good to hear it. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10. Um, verse 16. This is all kind of tying together, so I'm going to read it all. This is a covenant that I will make with them in the after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise the Lord. We going to give us a new heart and a new mind. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How are we going to enter? By the blood blood of Jesus. Boldness because of His blood. blood. By a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our conscience is no longer seared with a hot iron. It's been made clean, it's made pure. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Without wavering, guys. And let us consider one another. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, we need each other to stay clear of deception. We're not not going to stay clear of deception on our own. I need you guys. Um, He wouldn't have said there, consider one another to provoke into love and good works if I didn't need that if you didn't need that. Um, okay. As far as the rebellion issue goes, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Um, all of Ephesians chapter 5 is good. It's talking about living in the light, um, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, <clears throat> having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about was down here in verse 21, though. Yeah, we'll start in verse 20. Tw- nah, 19. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I hate to pick a spot and miss something. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Dorman talked about the two-edged sword that's in our hand, the song of praise that's in our heart, in in our mouth. It's how we conquer. It's how we live victorious over the devil. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves. We need to submit. That's not an option. Um, We need to have that heart of submission. Um, I'll get into that later. I'll, I'll move on. Guys, we already know about hating the truth. Um, Over and over in (coughs) Psalms, it talks about how David loved the truth, how he loved the Word of God. Um, Says in Proverbs, it talks about how the the Word is a light into our feet and a light into our path. That that truth, that um, (coughs) Psalms chapter was it nineteen talks about how it's like a honeycomb; it's so sweet to our taste, and how much that's how we need to desire the Word of God. Um, So I'm not going to go into all that. Let's look at. Um, there's one first I wanted to look at concerning that. Let's look at second Second Timothy. Go back to Second Timothy, chapter three. This is one you guys know. We'll start in verse fourteen. <coughs> Excuse me. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. They're able to make us wise. The Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that means simply teaching, for reproof, for correction. A lot of times, guys, we don't like that. We don't like when the Word of God comes and it says, look, you're in error here. Um, But we need it. It brings life. It doesn't bring death whenever that comes. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That means complete. Full grown. Thoroughly furnished unto... Thoroughly furnished. Just a little bit furnished. Completely furnished unto all good works. Guys, the Word of God has every single thing you need for life and godliness, it says. Um, We can't live without it, I'll be honest with you. We can't live without it. Um, Let's turn to James chapter 3 real quick. This is one of my favorite scriptures. As far as knowing, um, discerning for what I'm hearing, there's sensing in my spirit is it of God or it's not of God. Um, it says, verse thirteen, chapter three, verse thirteen. Who is wise and undoed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good con- conversation or his good conduct, his works with meekness of wisdom. And it, but if you have bitter envy. Envying and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. It's demonic. Deception. It's deception. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. If there's confusion, if you feel like your life is just a circle of confusion, then it's not a God, it's of the devil. But, verse seventeen, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. You know, I looked up that word "entreated," and it basically means um, you're compliant. You're not stubborn. You're not hard. You're not. You're compliant. Um, you're teachable. You're pliable. Um, you're not set in your ways, and this is the way it's going to be. Um, But that's what God's wisdom looks like. That's one of the natures of God's wisdom if it's in your life. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace with them that make peace. Peace is another thing. Big deal. Um, You're open. Basically means you're open to correction. You're open to Somebody speaking in your life, words of truth that um, that you'll receive. Um, let's turn over here to First John. Oh, that right? Not right, close. Chapter two. You know, we talked, about, we talked about staying in the Word. We talked about staying in fellowship with God. We talked about um, having a submissive heart, a pliable heart. You know, there's another thing that we need to stay free from deception, and that's the Holy Spirit. Um, let's look in Verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are many Antichrists whereby we know there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. We're living in the last time, guys. Yep. That's what Antichrist means. It means against Christ. That's right. They went out from us, but they were not, front, not of us. They separated themselves. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. That unction simply means an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Who is that? Holy Spirit. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. Not just to go to heaven. Eternal life is living... um, by the life of another today. That's another way of putting it. Having His life in you, God's life in you, that's eternal life. Um, John 10, you know, Jesus talks about how He's the the Good Shepherd. And He says, My sheep know My voice. They know intuitively. They know deep down in their knower when He speaks to them, they say, That's God. And they also know that when something else comes into their heart or comes into their mind that's not quite 100% right, they know it in their heart. Um, if, you're, if you're born again, if you're saved, if you have the Holy, Holy Spirit living inside of you, that's the truth. You just know. Um, John 2.21 says, 1 John 2.21 says i have not written unto you because you know not the truth but because you know it and that no lies of the truth we know it deep down in our knower whenever we hear something that is straight in line with the word of god we know that it's truth we know deep down that's right and our in our spirit just grabs hold of it and and like i said when it's not there's just a little bit of i don't know about that um You know, the other thing God showed me about um, being free from deception, that this is just from my experience. Um, I need to have avenues where I can pour out. If I just, if I don't have a, um, if I'm just living for myself, not even not just living for myself, but if I'm just if there's no avenue for me to exercise my gifts to do what God's called me to do in the body of Christ, then I become stagnant. Um, Jesus Himself said in John chapter four, um, after the woman of the well came to Him, um, and then she went away, and the disciples, you know, they had brought back food, and He was He was standing there, and He said, um, "I have food that you don't know about." Basically, He said, "My food is to do the will of Him that sent me. My meat." My food and my drink is to do His will, and guys, all of us need that nourishment that comes from pouring out, yes. pouring out what He's poured in. Um, and if we don't have that, we become stagnant, and it's kind of like um, it's kind of like somebody who just uh, straps himself to a wheelchair and they never get up and walk. Eventually, their body is going to become shriveled up, and they're not going to be able to walk. We have to exercise what God has put into us. We have to pour out. Um, Jesus told Peter, um, you know, when Peter had um, gone uh, right at the end, when, he, when um, Peter recognized Jesus, he jumped out of the boat and ran to him. Jesus cooked the meal for his disciples. And Peter, or John, uh, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? What did he tell him? He said, Peter said, yeah, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He said, feed my sheep, pour out, do what I've called you to do. Um, over several times, that's what he told him. So God calls us to pour out. He calls us to do the things that he's called, that um, he's commissioned us to do. Um, you know, the fourth thing that God kind of showed me was, um, we have to have times where we get alone or we get, get away from our everyday life. Um, We get out of our routine, so to speak. Dorman went up to the mountains um, here recently. And whether it's a vacation or whether it's, you know, I think it's, for me sometimes, it's going on these walk to Emmaus. You get out of your routine, you get out of your everyday life, and you just spend time where you focus on Jesus Um, and rest, you know. The walk to Emmaus is not nearly so much rest, but... um, (laughs) There is, yeah, there is a rest. There's a spiritual rest that comes out of that. And so we need those times. Jesus, I don't know how many times in the gospel, it talks about how he and his disciples, they would minister, but then they would get away, either go up into the wilderness by themselves or they would go to um, that, that one when they were in Sychar. They were basically getting away from the ministry and the crowds and everything to, to recharge, to help, allow the Holy Spirit to recharge them. Um, and we need those times. Um, that's one of the reasons God gave the children of Israel sabbaths, because yes. they needed times to get away, to get away from their everyday life, the routine of everyday life, and just rest, just to get alone and rest. Um, the feasts were the same way, I believe. You know, God called them. I don't have any. I don't. You guys can y'all. Somebody can probably tell me how many feasts they had. Seven feasts, but they usually were times when they they didn't work. They didn't do the everyday thing that they normally did. And they spent, it was almost like a vacation for them. And so if God gave that for the children of Israel, how much, how much more do we need that sometimes? Uh, we need those times. Um, okay, running out of time. The sixth thing God showed me, you know, I listed staying in the Word, staying in fellowship, pouring out, Um, times of getting away, the sixth thing God showed me that was important for us to to have, to stay free from deception, was um, having a pure heart. And again, that goes along with everything else we said. But um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To have spiritual eyes, to maintain spiritual eyes, we have to, um, you know, we've exchanged, we receive received a new heart, but we can go back to the old. And when we go back to the old, we get into deception, and we know, because we no longer see God in that particular area of our life. We no longer see God. And so, to maintain that, um, that seeing clearly, we have to have a pure heart, um, Let's turn to first well, we're in first John. <laughs> um, let's see here. Chapter 3. It Says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now, In it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear... That means basically manifest. It's the same word that... um, Basically, when Christ came, He manifested Himself. And that's the same word that it's, it's referred to there. But when... We know that when He shall appear, when He manifests Himself, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifies himself, even, even as he, he is pure. And guys, I believe verse 2, when it talks about when we shall um, be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, I believe that's talking about the day when He does come back um, and we, we see Him in, in the flesh. But I also believe it, it's referring to times right now when, God, when Jesus comes and He manifests Himself to us, and we see Him for who He really is. In that area of our life, we become like Him. Because it says here, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. It says, every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. You know, that's our hope. Our hope that when we see Jesus... And when we progressively see Jesus, we become like him. that verse the Greek says, Every man that has this hope in him, he purifies him. Amen. Is is your, can I tell you that? It says that verse, that word purifies himself in the Greek, it says that God purifies, God purifies him, him as even as he is pure. Yes. So in the area of our life where we see Jesus, God purifies our heart, Amen. he makes us like himself, basically. Yes. Um, it's not our works amen but we do need to maintain that hunger of seeing God and have that hunger of saying God I want to be pure before you what does it mean to be pure um you know, I used to think being pure and being holy meant to almost be in the absence of being human. Um, I mean, honestly, I thought you know I had to somehow be a join some kind of monastery or something and isolate myself from the rest of society because um, that would be the only way that I could ever be pure. Um, and the Lord began showing me that um, there's a difference between. Purity and, for lack of a better word, I'm just going to say innocence. Um, it says that Jesus, a lot of times we think of, of purity and innocence as the same thing. And, and I'm not talking about innocence, I'm not talking about as being guilty or being innocent. I'm talking about innocence being um, naive or not being exposed a little child we think of innocence because they're they're innocent because they hadn't been exposed to evil they hadn't been exposed to things that maybe we have, and that's not that's not purity that's not that's not a good um analogy of what purity is purity because Jesus it says he was in all points tempted as we are, he partook of flesh and blood, and he was in all points tempted as as we are, but he was he was pure yes. he was he was he had, he had been exposed to evil. He had to have been exposed to evil or he wouldn't have been tempted. But he was without sin. And so he was exposed to evil, but he maintained that spirit of purity. Um, he, gave no he gave it no place. And so um, there's a scripture in 1 John chapter 4. Dorman quoted that one in Hebrews where it says he partook of flesh and blood. Um, but let's look at this, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-4. Um, we'll read it all. Beloved, and we're going to wind up pretty quick. I'm usually not this long-winded. Believe not every spirit, but try every spirit, whether they are from God. Because many false pro- prophets are gone into the world. Hereby we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. Okay, you have got little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than He is in the world. Okay, verse 3 says that we're going to discern between a spirit that is of God and a spirit that's not of God, as if it confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Has come in the flesh. Mine says is. Is come. Okay. So, what does that mean for me? That means that Jesus really did come and live a human life. And He came to live in in me. That means I can live a real human life and still be pure. And holy. Jesus put his legs, he put his pants on if he had pants, but he put his clothes on same as I do every day. He had to eat food to maintain nourishment every day, just like I do. He was not some spirit that somehow was not connected to this world. Now he was inside, he was he was Separate from this world, but in his body, he was connected to this world. He lived a real life, just like I do. Yes. And so, if he did it, then I have to too. Um. So. Go so go fishing. I just want to comment on, uh, you know, a pastor's job is to train that people to do the ministry, not to the ministry. A lot of pastors don't let anybody else fill their pulpit, and that's a deception. Because his job is to train people up to do the ministry, not to do all the ministry. Amen? Amen. And I have no greater joy than see the kids walking in the truth. So y'all will increase and I will decrease. Can you handle that all right? Amen? Because one of these days I'll just vanish away. But you'll continue. Amen? All right. Yeah, remember the offering box at the back. We do need to keep the lights on and the air conditioners running. Tonight it's 6 o'clock, prayer. And so, anything else? And peaches. So, you're dismissed.